here we go. Man, this is one of those weeks when I really, really wish that I was there with you because you're going to get to hear from somebody who I respect enormously and have for years. This is Roger Maddox. Now, Roger Maddox is an elder of this church, and I don't believe an elder is something that we appoint. I believe an elder is something that God, someone who God calls. And in particular, what I think God's looking for is, is here's the body, and God wants to come upon the body, and he wants to bless them. But what happens is, is that in order to help us even more, he puts elders in here that he just raises up above as kind of a covering over the body so that as he comes down, he hits those elders' hearts first. And then, whatever's in those hearts, that's what the Lord wants to do for us. Well, you could not have a better heart for what the Lord wants to do at Lake Sam than Roger Maddox. This is a man who is incredibly faithful. This is a man who just is really always trying to get it right in the Lord. Even if it's a sacrifice to him, even if it costs him, whatever it is, he wants to get it right in the Lord. And he goes after that with the Lord. And I think the Lord delights to bless according to Roger's heart, according to who Roger is. So we have an excellent covering here, and I'm excited for you to get to hear him today. I want to say, I, I looked and I was trying to figure out, you know, who does God want to have preach and so on. And Roger came to my heart and I asked him and I knew he wasn't going to want to do it and everything else. And he, he said, I will pray about it, which I really appreciated. And he did. And I came to find out later that there, been, there was something that the Lord was stirring in him. So we go out to Panera and we talk about, well, what do you got on your heart? What isn't? Seeing if it really is the Lord. And as the Lord has just been doing over and over, it was yet again a really important part of what it is to simply obey of what it is to get this right in the Lord. And that simple part was, do it. Just don't wait. Don't do other things. Don't get distracted here. Now, the cool thing about this is, this is Roger. He's just the personification of this. When he figures out what the Lord is saying and what he wants to do, Roger does that with grace, with humility, but also with fortitude, with wisdom, this is what he does. So I just have this feeling that what the Lord wants to do with us today is he wants us to feel the covering that he has raised up for us. He wants us to feel the anointing of that. It's not even in the words. It's not even in the concepts. He wants us to see that he has risen, that he has raised up, good people to do good things so that he can do good things through them and because of them for all of us. So I'm just telling you, I'm so pleased, I'm so thankful that Roger said yes and that we're all going to get to experience this. Love you, Roger. See everybody next week. Yay, he shot it inside. Uh, <laughs> hey, would you, uh, would you just give a warm welcome to my good friend Roger Maddox this morning? Thanks. Well, nothing to live up to there. No pressure. Um, yeah, if I had a chance of living up to that, I'd be doing good. Um, good morning. 
Thank you for being here. Got family here, good friends. Uh, I haven't been nervous up until this point. <laughs> surprise, surprise, right? So here we go. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Chris Maddox's husband. <laughs> I'm Piper's dad. If you've uh, ever looked at Facebook, you've seen our cat everywhere. Uh, Chris and I have been at Lake Sam for almost 20 years. We consider this our, our home. We consider you family. Excuse me. We're just blessed to be a part of this church. And, sorry. We're blessed to be a part of this church. We have great friendships here. Great friendships. We're just blessed by God's goodness. For those of you who don't or do know me, you know that this is not where I want to be right now. In case you hadn't figured that out by now. Um, but apparently God had a different plan for today. Uh, Kurt has asked me numerous times to preach. And uh, up until this point, I have successfully been able to divert those requests. <laughs> Typically, I would say something like this. There are people that want to do this. Why are you asking me? I don't want to do this. That worked a few times, um, and, and, and other people stepped up. Uh, yeah, so anyway, um, I don't want to do this, but I'm here today. Uh, how many of you were here a couple weeks back? JJ spoke. Yeah, most of you. Um, she was talking about Moses, his encounter with God at the burning bush, the dialogue back and forth. Uh, Moses making, giving reasons why he shouldn't be the one that God sends. Started to sound familiar. And at one point, Moses pleaded with God and says, can't you send someone else? And that sounded a lot like what I had been saying. A lot. Um, and I realized that is what I've been saying. Can't you send somebody else? And here's the thing. What God was saying to Moses and what he was saying to me, and I think he's probably saying it to some of you, he's saying, I wanna send you. I wanna send you. In this situation, I wanna send you. That's what he was saying to Moses, and that's what he said to me. Now, I don't need to understand why God wanted to send me today. That's not important. Um, but here's something that I learned in processing that. I don't need, this is God telling me, I don't need you to be somebody that you're not to be useful to me. See, I am a tool in God's hands. We all are. We are his handiwork. We're made for his purposes. He has a tool bag, and today he reached into that tool bag and he picked up his Roger tool, and he has set me up here <laughs> for his purposes. And I, like I said, I do not need to understand why that is, but that's what he has done. Um, and I can tell you today, I'm thankful that he's sending me. 
the process of getting here today um, has been great. Um, God's timing is perfect. I believe that he has given me a message for today for you and for me. Uh, as most of you know, Kurt started a mini-series a while back, Simple Obedience. Uh, JJ and Christina both spoke on that. I uh, will continue in that thread today. We are in Luke 13. See ya. Maybe. There we go. Luke 13, just a fun little passage. Perfect for your first time preaching. But I got to tell you, it fits well with what God's been speaking. NIV starts with repent or perish. Repent or perish. I'm sorry, I'm just going to read. Uh, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or the 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Just a note here, twice in five verses, unless you repent, you will all perish. There's a word there. There's a lot in that section I'm not going to cover today. We're going to move on to uh, six through nine, hopefully. There we go. Keep pointing the wrong way. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it, and if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, we'll cut it down. Like I said, this is just a fun, happy, you know, just a positive section of scripture. Uh, really great to start with. Um, but I do have to say, this fits with something that God has been telling me, um, teaching me about for a while now. Uh, for about a year and a half, uh, this, this story started about a year and a half ago, and it uh, came out of a situation at work. Um, that situation caused me to write some things down, which typically I don't do. I'm not a big journaler, but in that situation I did. I wrote a few thoughts down, and, uh, and then I put it away, and I, I remember thinking, well, you know, if I ever have to speak, maybe there's something here that could be the makings of a message. Well, we'll get back to that in a second. Click. Kurt and Julie. Adam kind of stole my thunder there. I was going to just share the story, where they were at, but no, he just kind of took it. As you know, they're away. They're on a needed break. Um, thankfully, we were able to do that for them. Um, talked to Kurt last Sunday. I stole that too. Talked to Kurt last Sunday. They was in Barbados. It's hard to be unhappy when you're in Barbados, I'm assuming. <laughs> Said it was very nice. He asked what the weather was here in Seattle. I look out the window and it is black and it is pouring. So I think they're coming back. I hope they're coming back. 
He said he was going to come back. But anyway, um, as most of you know, Kurt and Julie have had a tough year. Um, you know, they've had some great stuff. Both of their daughters got married. That was wonderful. These are wonderful young women of God. Um, weddings are, are great, but as anybody who knows that's been through a wedding knows, it's also stressful. And uh, they, they had some stress in that. Dave died. Their brother, Jim, just died. Devastating. How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you cope with that? Um, while Kurt and Julie were away at Jim's memorial, so mid-January, a group of staff and John Yankowski and myself met together, and we talked about how they were doing and what could we do to help, if anything. And we thought about, you know, the stress that they're under. We knew that um, in correspondence with them and personal conversation, that they were uh, spent. They are on empty uh, in many ways, right? And we wanted to do something to help. We wanted to, we wanted to be able to offer to them the opportunity to get away from that stress. But as we talked about it, we realized, you know, there's some of it that we can't. We can't, we can't uh, help them get completely away from the stress uh, and, the, uh, and the disappointment and the grieving that they must be feeling over their brothers. But what we could do is we could offer them time away from the responsibilities here at Lake Sam. Because um, that's stress too, right? It's work. Even though they love it, it's work. And there is stress, and there is challenges, there is difficulty. And we knew that they were coming back from being gone for almost a month, and they were done. I mean, they were, their tanks were on empty. And they were going to come back, and, you know, their schedules were going to explode. And they were going to do their best, because that's what they do. But we talked, and we said, you know what? What we can do is we can tell them, you don't need to worry about that. Take some time away from Lake Sam responsibility. Unplug. Turn off your phone. Don't look at your emails. We've got this. That's what we talked about. And that's what we wanted to do. That's what we agreed to do. And most importantly, we believe that's what God wanted us to do. That seemed like the right thing for a family to do for somebody that we love. And so that's what we decided to do. And in the midst of that conversation, one of the staff people said something. They said, we are willing to do whatever it takes to make this happen. And in that moment, I have to be honest, I had a hesitation. I had an exception in my heart that went something like this. I'm willing to do whatever it takes except for this. I don't want to do this. This is not what I wanted to do. Now, I did not say that in that meeting. We all agreed. This is great. We're willing to do what it takes. But see, I knew if we were going to give them three weeks off, that there were three Sundays that we needed to find somebody to preach. And I knew that there was a possibility that I was going to get asked. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. Well, Shortly, the day after Kurt and Julie got back from Jim's memorial, 
John Yalkowski and myself met with them. We were able to tell them what we wanted to do. And frankly, it was a wonderful experience to be able to share that with them and to, to express our love for them, your love for them, as a church supporting our pastor, our friends, right? It was, it was great to be able to do that. They received it uh, graciously, thankfully. Uh, the look on their faces of, I won't forget, it was, they were moved by our love for them and God's love for them. It was, it was really cool. Um, a few days later, phone call from Kurt. <laughs> surprise, surprise, he wanted me to preach while he was gone. Now, instantly, I said, yes, I'm happy to do that. It's been roses since up until this day, right? Since by your laughter, you understand that that is not how it went down. I resisted. I told him, hey, there's people that want to do this. I'm not one of them. Why don't you ask one of them? Why are you asking me? But I told him, I said, I will pray about it. And I did. And here I am. How did God get me here? This seems like a good time to ask for prayer. <laughs> I've uh, asked my friend John Yalkowski to pray. He's over here on the left hand. John is one of my best friends. He is a man of God, and I am blessed by his friendship. So John, please pray for me, the message. Pray for another church. Thanks. I publicly apologize for stealing 25 seconds of your sermon. <laughs> I forgive you. So, Lord, we do thank you for the way that you um, answer our prayer. Even if it's not the answer that we wanted, we know that you are, um, you have our good at heart. And so, Lord, we thank you for Roger's openness and willingness to serve you and to speak um, what you have given him. And so, Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing on, yes. Kurt, uh, on, on Roger today and also on Kurt and Julie. As they, one of the things that we asked for was that there would be um, a, a new anointing, a freshness yes. in what Kurt and Julie um, have for us. So, Lord, we pray for that uh, as well. But, Lord, we ask today for uh, anointing on Roger, the words that you want to speak to us as a church, as a body, and as individuals um, that we would be um, that we would be changed, that we would um, get it, and in a new way. And Lord, we really what you have for us today through Roger. Um, and Lord, we pray for. Um, uh, I haven't even thought of what church, but Lord, I just pray for Lake uh, for um, Eastside Foursquare. Lord, that that what you're doing there uh, would be a, a testimony. Uh, to your kingdom, or that they would, you would raise people up to new heights of commitment and um, life as you're doing here. And we're going to just give you all the glory. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. God, I just pray that you would speak through me. I pray that I would not get in your way, uh, that I would not be a distraction, and that you would speak to the hearts of each person here today what it is that you want to say to them. Thank you, God. Um, 
So before prayer, Kurt had asked me to preach. I had resisted, but I told him I would pray about it. And I did. Now, it turns out that was a risky statement to tell him I would pray because when I prayed, God spoke. <laughs> and what I heard God say was now. Now, this is the time. I'm asking to step up and do this. And I knew that I needed to do it. Now, that did not change my wanting to do it. But it changed that I knew God wanted me to do it. And so, here I am. Uh, you know, that illustrates a beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. A little side note. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That's how I knew it was God. Because God spoke to me in the depths of my heart. I knew without question that it was God speaking to me. And asking me to do this. Telling me he wanted me to do this. Now I know a lot of you. And I know many of you out here know exactly what I'm talking about. You have experienced that. And you know what, what it is when God speaks to you. But I also know that there are some of you who do not understand what I'm talking about. And I just want to say graciously, there are people that are going to be in the back after the service. The prayer team that uh, loves God, understands the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their own lives. And would love to talk to you about that. Would love to talk to you about how God wants to operate in our lives and how he wants to speak to us in the depths of our being. So if that's you, take advantage of that opportunity. It will, be, uh, it will be worth it. So about a week after Kurt asked me, and God got me to say yes in my own heart, I told Kurt yes. He called me. We chit-chatted. Then we got down to business. He says, you know, I need to know. Do I need to ask somebody else? And I said, no, I'm going to do it. And it made him really happy. And I think he was a little shocked, um, but it made him happy to hear that, and, and, and we moved on. And from the moment that I told Kurt yes, I had peace about this message that I'm sharing today. Um, <laughs> in my notes, it says I haven't been nervous about it, and I haven't until I got up here. Now I'm doing better, so thank you. Continue praying. Um, but, you know, really... I haven't been nervous about it. I knew that God was going to do something because it was God that called me to do it. And it's his job to get us there, right? And it makes me think of a verse in Luke 12 about the work of the Holy Spirit. It says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about what you're going to say, sorry, about how to defend yourself or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. That is what happened to me. That is what happened to me in the last couple weeks in preparation for this message. The Holy Spirit taught me what it is that he wants me to say for today. I have a little video to illustrate the process Make sure that the volume's turned up a little bit. Here we go. Can you fly that thing? Not yet. 
Operator. Tank, I need a pilot program for a B-212 helicopter. Hurry. Let's go. Let's go. I don't know if you notice on that. That's that's the Matrix, the original movie. Sorry. I, I like that movie. Um, you know, he asked her, can you fly that thing? And she said, not yet. Makes the call. I need to know how to do that. Download it to me now. Hurry. And then let's go. I'm ready. That is uh, similar to what happened to me. Wasn't quite that cool, but how cool would that be, right? To just be able to plug knowledge directly into our brains. But let me tell you, um, it really was a little bit like that. A couple weeks ago, I'm driving to work, I have a 30 minute commute and I'm thinking about the message and God says, just speak. So I grab my phone, I hit the voice recorder and I start speaking and about 15 minutes later, I get to work, and I save that message, and I listen to it later, and I'm like, dang, that's not bad. <laughs> that is not bad, you know? It was, the, it was the intro that I just shared without all the nervousness. Um, yeah, I mean, it was very close to what I just said today, and I was like, wow, that was cool. Saturday, I had a... I'd scheduled a three-hour window for sermon prep, noon to three. Long time, three hours, geez. That should be plenty, right? I had a friend that I needed to talk to, so I got to where uh, to my office where I was going to be doing my prep. I texted my friend. I said, hey, let's talk around three. I've got some work to do before that. He replies back and says, yeah, it's going to be closer to four. I'm like, great, that's even better. No problem, I'll definitely be done by then. And I texted him back and I said, great, call me when you're available. And then I prayed. I had my computer open. I had my blank Word document ready to go. And I started to type. I, I prayed and I said, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? What do you want me to say? And I started typing. And I was just typing and I'm typing. I'm not a great typist. I had to go back and correct things. But it just kept coming. And I'm typing away, and I'm moving things around, and I, I would stop every once in a while and go, okay, now what? And then I'd keep going. Two o'clock. Three o'clock. It's 3.30. Still going, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and honestly, at that point, I needed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay? It's 3.30. It's been three and a half hours. I've had coffee. But I was a little nervous about stepping away from the computer because I didn't want to lose that connection. I was plugged in and God was feeding that message to me. But I had to go. So I'm walking down the hall, you know, other thoughts start coming in. I'm like, man, you know, I go, I do my business, I get back there, thankfully, I'm able to reconnect and it just keeps going. Four o'clock, five o'clock, 5.30 and I'm finishing up and I'm like, six o'clock. And I'm kind of done. And I look back through it. I make some adjustments. And I look at it. And I'm like, man. All right. I think I'm done. My friend still hasn't called. 
So I think, well, I'll just speak it, and I'll record it. And so I did. 40 minutes later, I'm done with the recording. He still hasn't called. So I say, okay, I'll listen to it. <laughs> I'll see how this goes, see how it sounds. So I listen to it 40 more minutes. Changes into my notes during the process. But it was, it was pretty close. It's 7 o'clock, 7.15. And I'm done with recording it. I'm done with listening to it. And I got to tell you, I'm exhausted at that point. I was exhausted and elated at the same time because it was so amazing what God did in me, through me, onto that piece of paper, right? And I texted my friend and I said, Steve, I am done. I'm going home. Can we talk tomorrow? He said, sure, no problem. I mean, he texted right back. Now, honestly, I don't know why he didn't call, except God needed me to have that time continuous without interruption. That's the only thing I can figure. I haven't asked him. You know, maybe he misunderstood my, I was going to call him. I don't know. It really doesn't matter because God had a plan, right? God had a plan. I was supposed to take that away and do a blank slide there, sorry. Hope I wasn't distracting you. So, all of that to say, you know, that was the process, and it was amazing. It was amazing to be a part of what God did there. Uh, so, going back, before I met with Kurt, I had already told him yes. We had made a time to, to meet and talk about the sermon. And I went back and I looked at those notes that I told you about a while back from a year and a half ago. That might be a making of a, of a message. And I looked at those. And then I met with Kurt, and he said, you know what, we're in, we're in Luke 13. And honestly, this is a bit of a challenging section. If you want to pick something else, it's okay. But then I told him what I had written down and what was in those notes, and it fit. It fit with Luke 13. And I was like, okay, that's what we're going to do then. And so that's what we did. Um, so here's the that started 18 months ago through a situation at work and it's finishing today I think I was working customer service and it was during this time of year where our distribution center was doing inventory so no shipping no orders going out for three days they had to count you know thousands of parts and of course, in the midst of that time frame, I get a call from one of my customers. It's an emergency. They've got equipment down. They need some replacement parts. So I called my distribution center and I said, what can we do? This is an emergency. Oh, we've got a procedure for that. Not a problem. They send me the documents. They say, just fill this out. We'll do a manual order. We'll get that thing shipped out to you. No problem. Great. Problem solved. So they send me the documents. I fill it out. I'm very careful to make sure I do it right, because, you know, it's important, this is an emergency for my customer. I dotted my I's, crossed my T's, sent it back to him, and I went home. The next day, I show up, check on the order, and it hadn't shipped. Like, what's the deal? What is the deal with that? A little bit frustrated, 
I call up the distribution center. I'm talking to the same guy again. I said, you know, what's the deal? This didn't ship. And he says, oh, well, you didn't do this other thing. Like, well, you didn't tell me to do that other thing. Okay, I'll do the other thing. I do it. The order's not a problem. But I got to tell you, I was frustrated by that. And I was a bit angry about it. And it caused me to think, right? And one of the thoughts that I had was, I thought we were all on the same team. I thought we were on the same team. We weren't. I had my priorities. I wanted to take care of my customer. I needed to get that order shipped. He had an inventory he wanted to get done. And for whatever reason, we weren't on the same page and it didn't happen. But what was interesting about that situation, and that's meaningless, really, honestly, but it caused me to think a little deeper than that, and it caused me to ponder a question. And that question is, does God feel that way about us? When we don't do, when we don't, when we don't fulfill the role that he has created for us on his team, how does God feel about that? Was he as frustrated as I was? Was he angry? Now, like I said, that was a year and a half ago. I wrote those things down, put it away. Frankly, you know, haven't thought about it until a few weeks back. Totally lost my place here, so. Ah, here we go. Anybody here? Ever said no to God? I mean, are you willing to put your hand up? Because I have. I think if we're honest, we all know that we have, right? You know, those other times that Kurt asked me to preach, honestly, I don't know that I was saying no to God. I, I, I'm pretty sure I was saying no to Kurt. I know I was saying no to Kurt. I don't think I was saying no to God. But I can tell you without question, without a shadow of doubt, that had I said no to today, I would have been saying no to God. No question about it in my mind. Talking about simple obedience, right? A few weeks back, Kurt was talking about, I think his title for his message was The Flip Side of Obedience the tragedy of not obeying. And he shared an example. He talked about, uh, you know, we have a coworker who is sick and God has asked us to pray for them and we have a choice. Do we do it? Do we not do it? If we say yes, we go and pray for them and God heals them. Now in that scenario, we are thrilled. We are elated that God used us to pray for this person and he healed them. But I can see just as easily a scenario where we would say, a little late getting home. Or, you know, they're kind of hostile to Christians. I don't think they want me to pray for them. And so we don't. Now, we might walk away from that situation and feel some regret. But honestly, we all know we would walk away and, and, and be over it and life would go on. But see, for God, it was tragic, right? Because God knew that he wanted to heal that person. And not only that, 
He wanted us to be a part of that. He wanted us to experience the power of God working through us in our prayer and then experiencing someone being healed right before our eyes. Perspective, our perspective, God's perspective, completely different, right? It makes me think of a verse in Isaiah 55. Did it work? Hey. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is a huge chasm, the Grand Canyon, of understanding and perspective between us and God, right? His ways, his thoughts are higher than ours, completely different. Now, I got to tell you, Christina used this verse last week. I was sitting right over here. And I was thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> that is in my sermon already. Do not, steal my, do not steal my scripture verse. I don't know who she is, but I'm still looking for her. There she is. But what was so cool about that is that God spoke something completely different to her. Now, there was more to it. She had a few extra verses in there. But God spoke to her about, in Christ, you can do all things. For me, God, our perspectives are so different. It was very cool to see how God does that, right? The word is alive, and it's speaking to each one of us in a different way, applying it to our specific situation. For me, it was this for today, right? Huge chasm of understanding. One other thing Kurt talked about the day that he was talking about the person who was sick and God wanted to heal. He said, we can fall into a slumber. I don't know if anybody remembers him saying that, but that was something that I wrote down. And what he said was, we, can, we begin to expect that today will be just like yesterday. Because yesterday was just like the day before, and that day was just like the day before that. Right? Life becomes routine. We kind of know what to expect. And the tragedy there is we forget about being ready and waiting for God's return. We know what to expect. Life is just continuing on in its routine. I'm glad that I wrote that down because it fits with the message that God has given to me. Definitely something to consider. So, a year and a half ago, October 2014, I'm pondering the situation at work. I'm wondering if God is as frustrated with us as I was with him, with the person at the distribution center. Thanksgiving, Christmas, I'm not sure which, we were over in Spokane. I had a conversation with my sister-in-law, Sean. She's the one in the middle. Many of you have met Sean. She's been here many times. And uh, those are her beautiful daughters, Candy and Sadie. I hope that they are streaming today. Hi, Sean. Hi, girls. We love you. Now, Sean is a woman of God, and she is a woman of prayer. And so when we talked, she shared some things. Honestly, I don't really remember the thoughts that she shared, but she gave me several scripture verses and references that I wrote down with my notes a year ago. 
right? And then filed it away. Before that meeting with Kurt, I read those notes, I looked at those verses, and one of them really stuck out, like flashing red light sticking out, right? And that was Joel 2, the entire chapter of Joel 2. You know, not just a couple verses, of course not. The whole chapter. Well, friends, Joel 2 is not a fun chapter. It is challenging. And I would suggest that you read the whole thing. We are not going to read the whole thing today. It's 32 verses. It's not going to happen. Um, but I will give you the sense of it. Um, the first 11 verses of Joel 2 describes a vast army coming against God's people. In verse 1, Sound the alarm in Jerusalem. Raise the battle cry on my holy mountain. Let tremble in fear because the day of the Lord is upon us. Verse 2, It is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick clouds and deep blackness. Suddenly, like dawn spreading across the mountains, a great and mighty army appears. Nothing like it has been seen before or will ever be seen again. The day of the Lord is upon us, and everybody was trembling in fear. God's perspective, he sees the beginning and, the, and everything in between, and he is saying, you will never see an army like this, ever. It's never happened before. It will never happen again. Fierce, fearsome army. Verses 3 through 10 describe this army. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in verse 3, it says, ahead of them, this army, the land lies as beautiful as the Garden of Eden, and behind them is nothing but desolation. Not one thing escapes. Before them, the earth shakes, the heavens tremble, and the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. That is a frightening scene. I don't want to be there for that, right? In verse 11, we are reminded the Lord is at the head of the column. What? He leads them without a shout. This is his mighty army. They follow his orders. The day of the Lord is an awesome, terrible thing. Who can possibly survive? This is a warning to God's people, to all people, of what will happen. This is a hard word. Like I said, this is a challenging chapter in Joel. Thankfully, the chapter doesn't end there, and we move on. Verse 12. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts, come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God. 
for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Amen. That's right. God says, turn to me now while there is time. That is key. While there is time. Tear your hearts, not your clothing. See, the devout Jew in their grieving, they would tear their jacket or their shirt as a symbol of their grief. God's saying, don't do that. Tear your hearts. Grieve your sin that has separated us. Make it an inner work, not just an outer display. God is merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, filled with love, eager to relent. And the chapter finishes with verses 28 through 32. I'm just going to pick a couple out of there. Then after doing those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dreams and your young men will see visions. Verse 32. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. Right? Amen. The first third of this church is simply frightening. We do not want to experience that. I don't. Maybe you do. I don't want to experience that. The last two thirds, we can embrace that. But here's the thing. We have to embrace it. We have to turn to God. Please read Joel 2 in its entirety when you have time. Talk to God about it. Make sure that you are prepared. Okay? Friends, the Lord is calling to me. He is calling to you. And what he is saying is, turn to me now while there is time. Luke 13 says, repent or perish. It's the same message. Turn to me now while there is time. Simple obedience. Don't wait. Don't wait. Now God brought this message today through me. Somebody who didn't want to be here. Right? I am one who is broken just like you are all broken. I need Jesus just like you need Jesus. And the only way is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is the only way that we can endure the day of the Lord. Right? We must receive forgiveness. We must confess our sins and turn back to God. Right? That's what the word says. That is what the word says. I am almost done, thankfully. <laughs> We're going to circle back again to Luke 13, verses 6 through 9, where our journey today started. 
Then he told a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. Now, typically in the parables, the owner of the vineyard is God, the father, right? And he went and he looked for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. And so he said to the man who takes care of the vineyard, typically that's Jesus, the taker. He says, for three years now, I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man, Jesus said, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, if not, we'll cut it down. What do you think the fig tree is, friends? It's me, it's us. God's people that he's invested in. Now listen to me. God is patient and God is just. This Luke passage, specifically 6 and 7, they display that. Three years for his fig tree to bear fruit. That's his patience. That's patience. Right? But there was no fruit. So he said, cut it down. So that the nutrients that are found in the soil are not wasted on an unfruitful tree. Let it fill it, feed another tree that's fruitful. Right? That, that's God's justice. He doesn't want what he's pouring into us to be wasted. That is a hard word to swallow. Where's the love? Where's God's love in that? Right? We've got patience. We've got justice. Where's the love? Well, verses 8 and 9, the keeper of the vineyard, Jesus, is saying, give the tree another year. Listen, I'll work the soil. I will till in some different nutrients. I will fertilize it. I'll try some different things. And maybe, maybe then it'll bear fruit. Let's see. That's God's grace. That is God's love. See, here's the thing. God is committed to do wakes. He continues to give us chance after chance after chance after chance dot 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 after chance to be fruitful for his kingdom. Someday there will be no more chances. Sorry. Someday, each one of us will die, or the Lord will return before we die. Until that day, God continues to give us chances, but at some point, there will be no more chances. You need to understand that. It could be today, as you walk out of this building and you go to your car to go home, it could be in a week, a year, decade. We do not know. 
when our time's up. We don't know, right? But until our time is up, God continues to give us chances to be fruitful for his kingdom. Now, there will be a day of the Lord. Are you ready? Are you ready for his return? Are you being fruitful? Are you bearing fruit for God's kingdom? Greg, do you mind coming up? Thank you, brother. Friends, I hope you still call me a friend after this. This is a hard word. This is not a word that I wanted to bring to you today. I haven't been waiting for the chance to share this with you. This is a word that God wanted to bring today through me, to you, to each one of us, me included. And I've done that. I've, I've done what God asked me to do. Simple obedience. When God asks you to do it, you need to do it. Right? Whether you understand or not. I'm done. I'll leave you with a few thoughts. Are you slumbering? Today might not be like yesterday. Tomorrow might not be like today. What is God talking to you about right now? <laughs> I've been out there to hear a message like this, and I know that God is speaking. You're feeling it inside. God is saying something to each one of us. Thankfully, it is unique to each person because God knows each one of us by name. He knows what we need to hear today. What is it that you don't want to do? God is not surprised by our reluctance to do things that are out of our comfort zone or things that we do not feel equipped to do. He is not surprised by that. He's not offended. Talk to him. Admit it to him. Admit it to yourself. Say yes. Ask God to help you do it. And finally, what's your next step? probably has something to do with what God is talking to you about right now. Are you listening? You have to listen. Greg's going to be up here for what's his plan. I want to give you a few minutes to think about those things. Think about this word that God wanted to bring to you challenge it's a hard word sorry but I'm not because it's what God wanted to say so I leave you with that 
take a minute to pray. If you want to come up here, great. If you want to go back and pray with somebody on the prayer team, we've got godly people back there. Love God. Would love to pray with you. Just sit in your seat. Talk to God. But talk to God. Give it a minute. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. For me, for this message. Thank you for paying attention. God bless you.